Join us on the Christian Men Unscripted Podcast, where each week we will talk about faith and family and anything and everything in between. We will talk as Christian men living in a world that has seemed to push God further and further away. All right, we're recording. <laughs> Take it away, John. Right, no, right. it's okay. Listen, here's what's good. We're three fathers. We're doing this podcast. Right. Uh, we're trying to kind of raise kids in an ungodly world. It's super hard. And, and, uh, yeah. we do, we try to kind of share who we are. Um, and the fact that we really are just on a journey. It's interesting that you introduce us as the police thing, because I'll be honest with you, having done a full career and been in all these different units and doing all this work stuff, Alan and I both have said this for years. Mm-hmm. Our, we, we don't really have a, I love the, the men and women that do first responder stuff. Love them. Yep. Believe me, I, my heart goes out to them. But really my friends are, are more people who don't find their identity in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, they find their identity in Christ and then they live that out and try to live it for their friends and their family. And it doesn't, who cares what they do for a living, if that makes sense. And so mm-hmm. I just want to clarify that, that I know we have those experiences, but I think him and I, Alan and I have talked about that, that our identity is not in that at all. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, I trust me, the career, what it did for me is a, just a blessing from God. I wouldn't be where I am without that job. For sure. For but sure. now that I'm retired, it, I'd rather talk about the Lord. I'd rather talk about the Cleveland Browns, but it's not the best thing <laughs> so, most of the time. But <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wow. jump pretty fast right yeah. back to, we've got our guest, Arnaldo. This is uh you don't want to talk about the Cleveland Browns. No, is what you're telling me. No, not really. Browns immediately. No, <laughs> nobody does. But listen, um, it's interesting because I do want to share though on that point. Right. You're exactly right. The, my career, I, I consider myself exceedingly blessed when I work mm-hmm. homicide. People kind of were like, how do you, how do you deal with that? You're, you know, telling a mom, her daughter was shot and killed and all this and mm-hmm. it's, or whatever, right? Ter- and it really is hard, really is terrible. But what I used to share, including especially working narcotics. And we talked about that, Arnold, although, and we're going to get into who you are and I want to get back to where we broke off. But I always said I had a front row seat to the very fall of humanity and the depravity of humanity. And so I got to kind of have an understanding of a, we say a Christian worldview, a biblical view. I had a front row seat to what Satan is doing to individuals. Mm. And I almost considered it like I'm literally like exceedingly privileged to see the net result of the fall of mankind and why everybody needs Jesus. And I really Mm -hmm. did see Mm -hmm. that, especially in that dope world. So talking about the dope world, let's jump right back into, uh, last time we were talking to Arnaldo wrote this book. Um, it's, it's Rocky, a life transformed. And we were talking about your life. We were talking about, um, you know, you literally were paying the penalty, if you will, for some of the kids of your own race, the Filipinos in the area, for the gangster stuff, for mm-hmm. all these fascinating criminal street lifestyle based on just kind of the way you grew up and, mm-hmm. and where you grew up and all that. And uh, we literally ended off with you had talked about you had tried to kill yourself several times. And we kind of I, I had to make fun of you. Thank God you sucked at it. Um <laughs> But you came to a place where you had said you didn't think you would live to 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And fascinatingly, we ended it off and Alan, Alan uh, pointed it out really nicely that you came to Christ just before your 30th birthday. And so you genuinely died. You died to self, that old man, and you were reborn. That is what being uh, reborn mm. is born again of God from above and believed in Jesus. And that's sort of where we ended off. And now we have this transforming life moving forward. Um and so we're back with Arnaldo talking about that. I know we didn't do this last time, but we like to be called Ace. Ace, yeah. So I'm going to call you Ace from now on. No, there you go. Ace right, is so good, got, yeah. We got Ace. Yeah, some of the kids in children ministry didn't know how to say my name. So I said <laughs> my initials AC and some kid thought I said Ace. So that's nice. kind of Ace. <laughs> so we're going to go with Ace, Ace, Scotch Tape. We don't, I don't, Alan, what do we call? I well, don't know. I, well, I, we used to call you Underdog. Well, we used to call you Underdog. 
here's the thing. I'm changing my nickname. I made it up. I don't know if this is allowed or not, but my wife was eating some white cheddar uh, Cheez-Its. Mm. I decided I'm going to be white cheddar. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't nickname yourself. You have, you have to receive no. the nickname. Guys, white cheddar is my new name. Scotch tape. I'm so white. I'm almost clear. <laughs> oh, my rhymes are so sticky. They get stuck in your head. Uh, oh, and I'm a rapper. There so you I'm go. your presence. Sorry. <laughs> Right. Arnaldo, I'm so excited that you're here because normally this is how this goes, you know, <laughs> white cheddar. No, by the way, the only Cheez-Its that are good Cheez-Its are original Cheez-Its. They are the greatest snack cracker ever made. I love white uh, cheddar Cheez-Its. Okay. I hate you guys. Go ahead, Arnaldo. <laughs> let's get back to where we were at. Uh, let's get back into something serious. You literally died and were reborn. Yeah, and you got to ask the question sometimes, Where is is it real, right? And my parents, my siblings, my friends were just waiting for the next blow up or the next mess up, right? And and so I think one of the biggest evidence if my life was really transformed, because you, you, here in America, you can say I believe and live like hell the rest of the week, you know, right? right? Mm-hmm. Because there's no persecution. When people came to faith in, in the Bible, literally like the Jews, they their parents will literally throw them a funeral because right. they were exactly. dead to them, right? And here it's like, I believe, I want to follow Jesus, right? And so when when I did, I knew for reals, like God was surprised when we started things because when my son, my oldest son was, you know, he was up nine years old when I accepted Christ. So I put him to hell for nine years mm-hmm. and he he feared me, feared me, not because he loved me, because he because he was scared of me. And so at the time he was getting in trouble by his mom because he would disrespect, you know, her boyfriend, Jeff. And so he, he would get in trouble. So I, I, we were cleaning the, we were cleaning the garage one time. And I said, Darian, I go, I heard you get in trouble, you know, for disrespecting Jeff. And he didn't know what to say. Cause if he like said, yeah, I might blow up again. Right. And I go, son, you know what? You got to start respecting Jeff. And I was like, what did I just say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, hated, I hated Jeff so much. I had four friends, four brothers, Zach, Corey, Greg, and Jeff. Jeff couldn't hang out with us. Yeah. That's how much hate I had towards him. Let me clarify real fast from the last episode, if, if you're just catching up now or skip that part, but Jeff was a great friend of Arnaldo's who ended up having an affair with your fiance at the time. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so there's a little bit of animosity there yeah. for you to I, have any I, kind of, I hated yeah. the name Jeff. If I got introduced to a name Jeff, I would just look at him like he's my enemy, right? right. Every Jeff is my enemy. <laughs> I hate Jeff. Right. And then he uh I and then all of a sudden I was like, what did I just say? And I said, son, you need to start loving Jeff as much as me. Right there and then, I was like, did I just forgive Jeff? Right. I was like, what? And two weeks later, Renee, which is my kid's mom, my ex, calls me and says, it's like, hey, you heard you had a conversation with uh, Darren. I heard what you said. So Renee and Jeff are together now. They're, they're together. Yeah. They're actually, as of right now, they're happily married. They're happily married and they have two wonderful kids. Yeah. Okay. So, That's awesome. And... She and I didn't know she, she was actually crying, and she said she surprised what she uh, she was hearing from Darian, my son, and that was also the day that she called me to say, "Hey, by the way, I just let you know, so there's no surprise that me and Jeff are moving in together," and I said, 
I'll help you move. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and that actually did help <laughs> them move. And this is like, this is when I know that the power of forgiveness on the cross was in my heart, was in right. my life. Because the Bible says you have been forgiven, so you should also forgive. I understand some wounds are deeper than, than other. It takes time, takes counseling, takes therapy even, right? But God said, I forgive you. You should forgive others. And that was very important in my life. Like most of my sermons and messages is on forgiveness because I believe one of the, I think it was John MacArthur that said, you know, you, you are more like God when you're able to forgive. Right. That's when you are yep. more like God. Because I think that's, I believe that sets us apart from the other religions that Jesus tells us to love our enemies. And I literally love my, my enemies. Right. And so from then on, I couldn't, I couldn't stop reading the Bible. And I started serving in every single ministry there was. I didn't care. I'll clean the carpets. I'll clean the toilets. I just want to serve Jesus. I just mm-hmm. want to serve the church in Jesus' name, right? Did did in San Francisco because it was, San Francisco is big in my heart. I did street uh, street evangelists, feeding mm-hmm. the homeless, doing jail ministry. So I was doing whatever I can just just to serve. And then I, and at one point I felt like God was like, go to school. I'm like, go to school for what? And like, learn more about me. Learn more about me. So I, I thought, you know, I'll go back to college. So I went to Liberty University online. At that time, I had twin girls uh, working full time, work, doing ministry. So I did it online. I, I got a bachelor's degree in psychology, Christian counseling, and biblical studies. So I double majored. And then I went straight on to, do, to get my seminary degree in theology. Hmm. And then from then on, the church saw how serious I was. They ordained me as a pastor. So I was a youth pastor, young adult pastor. Did, did a mission trip in the Philippines, you know, my hometown. That was awesome. And then God said, plant a church. I said, oh, I plant a church. So I became a lead pastor in Rockland, California, planned that church. At the same time, I was going through my seminary degree. So, you know, just like a Filipino doing a lot of things, work, doing, uh, working a lot of places. I worked at Harley-Davidson. I worked at the gun shop. I just took every job that I took <laughs> because as a, as a new church, I didn't take a salary. And I actually didn't want to take a salary because I just want to serve the Lord. And then, you know, through that, it really taught me that there, there is a lot of hurting people. When you're the lead pastor, it's a whole different dynamic than just being one of the pastors. Now it's like, you feel like the, the burden's on your, you know, on your shoulder. But yeah, I mean, that, that's a story, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I just want to share that you could believe God all you want, but is there, is there a transform? Because when when God changes you, when you say I want to follow Jesus, there there is a change, yeah. right? God doesn't go. It's not he's not in the business of saving people, and there's no change. And so it's not about going to church. You know that, guys, right? Mm-hmm. Not about listening to this podcast because it's a bunch of Christian men. But really, is there true transformation in your life? And that's the message that I got. You know, I want to share on that topic, and I don't know why my heart keeps leaning toward you as well, Seth, because you did all that youth ministry stuff. And so I'm listening to Arnaldo talk about this, and I'm thinking of all the opportunity you had to teach and do all the ministry stuff. Um, And I sort of shared with you guys, I was actually just sharing with my kid the other day that, like you said, God wants a transformed life. And I, I, I try to point out, like, whatever you're going through in life when you talk to these kids, this is why I'm kind of addressing it to you as well, Seth, because you have all these kids. And I've, I've tried to be as open and transparent with kids when I talk to them about this, that, listen, you're going through whatever. There are so many issues of drugs, sexuality. Uh, I mean, blatant, extreme sexuality, by the way, is what our kids are exposed to on the phones, on the TikTok, on every single TV show. Shows that seem innocent enough or whatever, 
they're drawing him into a lifestyle and and trying to glamorize lifestyles that are similar to what Arnaldo grew up in mm-hmm. uh, apart from Christ and saying this is what's glamorized this is what's glamorous the money the crime the sex all these things kids this is the life you should lead is what they're being sold and it leads to nothing but hurt nothing but pain nothing but anger nothing but suicide suicidal ideations thoughts you you shared that last episode mm-hmm. and so when we're trying to share this with kids i'm trying to point out that Christ loves you exactly who you are and will meet you exactly where you are at, no matter where you're at. Like, I love that you said that you go to church before you have your stuff together. The same reason why you go to the hospital when you have the injury, you don't go to the hospital after it heals. You go there to get fixed, Mm -hmm. but he loves you too much to keep where you're at. Mm -hmm. He loves you so much that, yeah, you got to believe in Jesus, die to yourself like you did just prior to your 30th birthday. But then now, now is when you seek who he is and what he has for you. He loves you so much. Now he wants you to move forward in a relationship with him. Yes, you are accepted as you are right now, but he wants to transform you. He loves you too much to keep you where you are. And that's what matters mm-hmm. moving forward. And that's what sounds, that's phenomenal. What are your thoughts on, like, what do you share with kids on the, on like Arnaldo's story? Have you had any experiences like that, Seth? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I used to work in urban ministry where a lot of family members were in prison uh, or, uh, stuck in lifestyles like this, they're living, you know, being molested by their own family members, and and uh, really, what you want to communicate is that Jesus is real and He cares about you. Like when we get into, like, I grew up in a Christian home, and and a lot of people grew up Catholic in this area, and mm-hmm. and a lot of these traditions are beautiful, but a kid wants to know that it's real. Right. And, and I think that's where you see like with uh, Ace's life transformation <laughs> that you see that there is that reality, mm-hmm. that this has been, there is transformation. And so that's something that I've seen in, in my life is that, look, I can tell you all day that Jesus loves you. But if you don't understand that as reality, if, that's, if you don't see it as real in my life, in my friends and your parents' life, then you're less likely to believe that and say, well, I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't, I, I know Jesus is the one, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still hungry. I'm still. Right. right. You're not seeing real change. Let's, can we bug you on that, Arnaldo? You talked about um, prior, I think off the microphone, I don't think it was recorded about even when you were looking at different religions and, and you liked new age, for instance, mm-hmm. can you share a little bit on kind of where your head was at when you were looking at all of this? I don't yeah. mean to complicate the question, just quite simply, no, no. you saw some of these neat things, but then Jesus became real to you. Yeah, like Seth, you know, I was in youth ministry, a youth pastor, and one of the things that they don't like is being told exactly what to do. And right. so after studying, you know, the Muslim faith, the Buddhist faith, and all these other faiths, New Age was very attractive because, you know, you could be Muslim, Buddhist, Christian, Catholic, whatever, and still make it to heaven. I remember there's uh, one book that I was reading, uh, one, of the, one of the Christian leaders were like, yeah, we're all the same. You know, there was a Buddhist in the room. There was a Muslim in the mm-hmm. room. And we're all the same. We're, we're all. And then the the, the Christian, I, I believe it was uh, Paul, Paul Washer, Paul David Washer, mm-hmm. the Southern Baptist preacher. He's also, you're saying like, we're all climbing this mountain. You know, you're, you're going up this one end, your religion, mm-hmm. and go up another, the side of the mountain, one religion, right? And we're all meeting the same, same God. Is that what you guys saying? He goes, yeah, you finally got it. Paul, you finally got it. I said, no, Christianity is this, that none of us could make it to the top of the mountain. 
because none of us could get to God. Christianity is that God came down the mountain to save us. That's Jesus right. came down from heaven mm-hmm. to die on the cross for our sins because we, 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 I mean, not on all of our efforts, we can't, we can't make it up. And so that's why New Age was so like attractive. Oh, I could be whatever I want, do whatever I want, as long as I'm a good person, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get into heaven. So, and some of the kids that or teenagers that we serve. It has that attitude, like don't tell me what to do because mm-hmm. that's what the Bible is telling me what yeah. to do. But they don't know that the Bible was written by God because <laughs> He loves us. That the motivation is love, but they don't understand that because maybe their home is broken and they're watching the TikTok, like you said, right? And so their their God is social media. Mm-hmm. They, they're trying mm-hmm. to be the next rapper, next football player, but they don't know that because they lost their identity. And and at at the end of the day, like until you realize that our our true identity is is made in the image of God, which is in Christ, you're gonna try to go out there and and try to find this identity in something else. Unfortunately, you know it could be success is an identity, and then or you know or failure, right? Because of, of the things that you're trying to do, but at the end of the day. You know, until we know who are we are, who we are in Christ, our identity is lost. Yeah, and I think that it, that really um, goes into the idea of vision for our lives. Like I just read recently that a pilgrim without vision for the promised land will focus on the things around him, on himself. And as dads, as fathers, oftentimes we can give our kids a vision that success is the most important thing or getting a a good career that pays you well in a nice house is the most important thing. And I I wonder how you guys would, would communicate this to your families. Now, some of you guys, your kids are a little bit older is how do you communicate? Like this is the vision for your life, for our family that we're going to the promised land and we're not going to let the world TikTok. We're going to be intentional about how our life is lived as a family and we're gonna we're going here together. How would you guys kind of communicate the vision of the promised land to your kids? Or teenagers, some of them are teenagers, some of them are in college and kind of going through that identity success and you know, college. Hmm. Good question. Again, you always come up with the hard ones, Seth. I don't know how to answer these things. Um, you know, as Arnaldo was talking, I I think when we're talking about the students, we went to retreat, you had a junior high retreat and I watched all, there was so many kids that became saved. There was 53 baptisms. So many gave their life to Christ. And I was wondering, as I'm watching, I'm like, is it an emotional thing? How many of them, when they come back are going to be transformed? Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, you said that they're looking for something. You were looking new age. You're like, this is great. I like this because this fits what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to John so many years ago and I'm like, they don't, some people, students, even adults don't like Christianity or the Bible because it's rules. Mm-hmm. It's really not rules. Yeah. It's not. I've learned I've kind of the hard way that once you have that transformation, it's not rules. You want to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I am with my kids. I'm like, if you give your life to Christ, there's no rules. You just need to know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And once you accept and you believe and you have that faith in Jesus Christ, that's all there is to it. You will be transformed when you do that. And he knows, and we talked about this, he knows in your heart whether you have that faith in him. Yeah. And so once you give your life to Christ and you get baptized, I watch these young men and women get baptized. 
I want to know that they're transformed. And if they truly are in their heart, and I tell this to my kids, my son, my daughter, we have this conversation all the time. We were in the car last week and she goes, you say the same thing over and over, dad. And I'm like, yes, I do. I get yeah. exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. Especially from my son. I, say, Isn't that I, do. Funny? I say the same thing because yeah. I want you to understand. Right. And when you are transformed, like you were ace, you want to do these things. You want to yeah. live by God's law. You want to, obey. I, I, mean, I, I want to see this transformation in these young men and women throughout the year. And I want that for my kids and my wife and my family. You know, it's cool. So I don't know if I answered that, yeah. but that's what I was thinking when you were talking no, and both of you were talking. It, it's interesting to try to share that type of a vision with your kids, with your, with your family. Mm -hmm. And I guess the best way is to try to live it out. Yeah. I, that's all I would say to that. I don't know how do you humbly just live it out, genuinely seeking right. the Lord, which, you know, I love it. My pastor always says, uh, salvation is not a lounge chair. Yes. You're saved. You're sealed for eternity. You're sealed in your faith in Jesus in his work on the cross. He did mm -hmm. everything you are sealed, but I, I love how he puts it. He always says, it's not a, it's not a lounge chair. It's a launch pad. Mm -hmm. You're called to move forward. And so Arnaldo's story of not only that transformation, that death to self, and that being born again, which that's all that means. People that don't understand Christianity, they're like, oh, the born again. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> they don't, unfortunately, that's just biblical illiteracy. They just don't understand that Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus, we're all born into flesh, but you have to be spiritually born by faith. That's born again. That means you are now a child of God by faith. Yeah. Um, but the fact that you did that, you came to Christ, Arnaldo, you changed your life, but you didn't sit back. You yeah. actually genuinely sought who is the Lord and what is his plan for me and how mm -hmm. can I be used? So we are called, it's funny. I, I love it because we have that God's grace. You're right. It's not a list of rules, but it's, it's actually a, an amazing plan book on how to live out a much more fulfilling and joyful life. Mm -hmm. I love that you went to, to school and, and really committed your life to that. You know, all three of you guys, I'm, I'm very proud to know you guys just because of those type of things that you've done in your lives. And, and I didn't go to school because for a degree, I just need, want to know God more. And, Amazing. And what Alan was saying is John 14, verse 15 and 21, the motivation of doing things because Jesus says, he didn't say, obey and keep my commandments. He first said, mm -hmm. if you love me, mm -hmm. you will obey and keep my commands. The reason right. we do what we do, gentlemen, is because we love Jesus for what he did for us. And that's the motivation. It's not about rules. I tell yeah. the kids, you know that Christianity is not about rules, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's what religion is. It's about relationship. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you're going to want to do the things he expects you to do. And don't get me wrong, gentlemen. I, one year later, after I gave my life to Christ, my, my, my prayer life was lame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like, Thank you, God, for waking me up. Thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Right. It was like, like, then I heard this one sermon and said, when you pray, be a soldier for Jesus. Be a soldier for the kingdom. I was like, no. I was like, I'm not praying that prayer. Because, you know, guys, when you pray for patience, God doesn't go poof, right? He gives an annoying kid or annoying co-worker. Yeah. Right? Yes. He gives you an opportunity to be patient. But I'm not praying that prayer. So I was like, all right, fine. God, I'll submit. Make Make, I want to be a soldier for you. Mm -hmm. Next morning, I wake up, Lord, I want to be a soldier for you. So mm -hmm. that morning, I have a routine working at an Oric vacuum store. You guys remember David oh, Oric? So I was a manager I there. I would gather. <laughs> I still have mine from 2006. And so <laughs> I, I had all these cardboard, cardboard boxes I had to you know, carry to the dumpster, right? So I would get one big box and 30, I, I would throw 30 folded up boxes in there and I would, 
I would take my dolly and take it to the alleyway. But as I was going there on the sidewalk, there was this six-two gentleman. He, he looked like he looked homeless. I had took a glance at his eyes. It was glossy. So he was like, okay, this guy's on meth, right? I don't want to mess with this guy. Back in the day, I would just kick them out of the way. He was in my way, right? <laughs> so I quietly waited patiently until he was like, what? You want me to move or something? I was like, yes, please, right? As soon as I pass him up, he goes, that's right, boy. You better keep going. You know, that's those are fighting words to another man when you, call, when you can be called boy. And I looked at him. I think I gave him this look where, like, you know, he had some fear. And then he goes, you want me to put, I'll pull my gun on you. I'm like, what? So I was like, okay. I was praying to myself, just keep walking, keep walking. So I go to the alleyway. I'm like, if this guy really has a gun, I need to defend myself. And I haven't had that opportunity to defend myself ever since I'm a Christian. So I was like, if he pulls a gun on me, I'm taking this doll in and throwing it across his face, right? And then I dump it. Here he goes on his bike, walking towards me. And all I could say, Lord... Look straight. I need to look straight. Look straight. Look straight. And then, right when he gets to me, he goes, "That's right." Again, he goes, "That's right, boy. You better keep walking." Right. That was like the very first test of, to be a soldier for God. So I got, I got, I got back in my store. I was like, "I'm gonna look for this guy and beat the crap out of him." Right. Right. And but I was like, "Well, being a soldier as a soldier, that's what you do. You just just rage out your anger." But that's when I realized, no, a soldier for God is a is a is a loving person, is a person that knows how to forgive in this in this in this moment. And so one one of my recommendations I always give everyone that helped me through, I always had my mentors. Till today, if I get angry, I call one of my mentors, hey man, this just happened. Can you pray for me? Until I calm down. And so the, God answered my prayer that very next day. Being a soldier for for God's kingdom is is not the same as the world says it is. Is a hold. It's, that's the difficult part of being a Christian. That goes right back to something we talked about several episodes ago. That meekness, the powerful war horse, but it's under yeah. control. It power, power under control. Absolutely, that's truly what. That's when we talk about the meek shall inherit the earth. Those are the type of people who are humble, loving, yet have God's power and ability, not their own. God's power and ability. Uh, and strength, and by the way, righteousness to handle something like that. You know what I mean? You can be righteous sometimes and, and having to deal with things. Yeah, you have the um, the humility within yourself to say, I need to represent the, the loving creator and try to extend love rather than even righteous indignation to use a fancy Bible-sounding word. Sometimes you have to withhold and just be loving and, and calm, you yeah. know? Exactly, and my mic's not working. That's all right. We're going to cut this one off right now, then we... <laughs> so we'll... <laughs> We'll fix all these issues for next week. Uh, Arnaldo has been awesome. I don't know if he's coming back in the next episode or not. Yeah. <laughs>